0: Hello and welcome to a special Rewind episode of the Raise Your Game Show. I'm your host, Alan Stein Jr. If you're new to our show, each of the previous 12 seasons have had a different theme, a different format, and a different approach to unpacking and dissecting both individual and organizational performance. These Rewind episodes take a look back at some of my all-time favorite shows, in case you missed them the first time around, or in case you'd like to give them a second listen. I hope you enjoy, and more importantly, I hope this Rewind episode helps you raise your game. Would I rather be feared or loved? Um, Easy, both. I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. (laughs) Welcome to the Raise Your Game Show, a podcast that unpacks and dissects the strategies and principles of high performance in sports and business. Here's your host, Alan Stein Jr. You may know him as the Hall of Fame coach of Michigan State's men's basketball team, but did you know Tom Izzo's very first coaching job out of college was at a high school in Michigan? Did you know that his coaching tree includes Tom Crean of Georgia and Jim Boylan of the Chicago Bulls? Here are several isolated responses from an in-person conversation I had with Coach Tom Izzo in Las Vegas at the USA Basketball Fantasy Camp back when I was the host of the Pure Sweat Basketball Show. We discussed the difference between being a great player and a great winner, why a player-led team will always outperform a coach-led team in the long run, and why the coaching community needs to spend more time investing in self-development.
1: Well, I think one of the things is finding guys that want to spend the time in the gym. You know, everybody thinks everybody wants to be a gym rat. There aren't as many gym rats as you think. And if in any any business, any occupation you're in, uh, if you don't want to be spending time to be great, uh, it doesn't matter who you got coaching you or who you got as a president of your company, you're not going to be successful. So I take my hat off to a lot of my guys. They're, they're kind of blue-collar type guys that, the culture is there now where we just believe in working our way into being great, and that's kind of the way we do it. Well, that's a good point. You know, I'm looking for a good guy, a decent student. You know, I want a guy that's going to take care of his business. If you take care of your business, that's probably what you're going to do on the court. It's amazing now there's a correlation between academics and athletics or social behavior. I mean, you know, guy that There's a lot of great players out there. There's not a lot of great winners. You've got to find guys that, that put winning as a pr- priority. That would be one thing I'm looking for. I'm always looking for tougher guys, Yeah, you know, I've been fortunate with Draymond Green, you know, who's, who's probably playing above the caliber that he can play because he's just so tough and, sm- and the last one is smart guys, and I don't mean academically smart, I mean have high basketball IQs, uh, the last couple of guys in Draymond Green and in uh, Denzel Valentine, extremely high basketball IQ guys.
0: How do you define toughness?
1: Yeah, that's a good question, you know, because I, I toughness isn't the smash mouth that people would think, you know. Uh, there's mental toughness. There's ability to handle issues. Um, then you do got to be strong and tough. I think sometimes basketball is a prima donna sport. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I, I look for guys who played both sports. But it's getting harder to find now as we specialize. So, you know, guys that... You know, I mean, I don't mind guys that if a guy's injured, I don't want him playing. If a guy's hurt, he should be playing. Gotcha. There's a big difference between being hurt and being injured. And uh, some guys can't play through injuries, can't play through fatigue. Uh, some of that is physical, and some of it is mental. I'm looking for physically and mentally tough guys. Well, that's where I've been, maybe as fortunate as, as any coach in the country. I've, you know, it starts with Magic Johnson. He wasn't there when I was there. Still, his parents still live there, and he comes back all the time. Steve Smith, who's here uh, today. Uh, guys like that Draymond comes back and we have a lot of guys that come back and spend time and and that helps build the culture because those guys don't put up with nothing and they're good enough to share with their wisdom of what it's like in the NBA, what it's like when I didn't make it to the NBA because of this reason, this reason, and this reason. So uh, the culture is developed by the coach but it's really developed by the players who played the game and when those players buy in and feel that it's their program instead of my program. I got a saying in my locker room that a player-coach team is much better than a coach-coach team. And if it's a player-coach team, that means that they've taken ownership. And if they take ownership in themselves and in their team, your chances for success triple. Sorry, what? They're good enough to share with their wisdom of what it's like in the NBA, what it's like when I didn't make it to the NBA because of this reason, this reason, and this reason. So the culture is developed by the coach but it's really developed by the players who played the game and when those players buy in and feel that it's their program instead of my program I got a saying in my locker room that a player coach team is much better than a coach coach team and if it's a player coach team that means that they've taken ownership and if they take ownership in themselves and in their team your chances for success triple well, it is. And, you know, ironically, last year we, uh, we led the nation in three-point shooting. We were, yeah. like, third in field goal shooting. And we got upset by Middle Tennessee State because they shot 58 from the field and 55 from the three, so our defense let us <laughs> down. But what I do every year, I take pro football, basketball, baseball, and hockey, and then I look at college basketball and football. You know, like football, Nick Saban's a good friend of mine. Yeah. Every year they're the best defensive team in the country you know you look at some of the teams that have won it on a year in year out basis somebody's got the best goalie the best defense somebody's got the best pitcher the best defense you know it really comes down to defense wins championship offense sells tickets defense wins championships if you can combine the two like we did last year i had probably one of our best teams give middle tennessee credit they beat us on a given night but but I thought it was one of my best teams. I thought it was one of my most balanced teams. And defense is a constant. It can win on the road. It can win at home. You don't need anything for it. Uh, you don't have to worry about being hot or cold. And that's why I think uh, I think most, most good coaches uh, believe that that's the key to success. Well, you know, that's a good question because we're in the day and age when you know, it's not like we've had a ton of McDonald's one and done guys. You know, we had one right. this past year, but so I, I'd say a little bit more on experience. You know, uh, I'm not sure the instincts are as good this day and age because I don't think players, um, you know, were not as cerebral. I mean, that's one of the complaints the NBA has. You know, that's why they go to Europe sometimes. Is there, and that's why Draymond Green and Denzel Valentine—they were very intelligent players, very smart basketball IQ guys and it's hard to play with instinct if you don't have a high basketball iq very much and so uh you know you want to let players have some freedom but the freedom they get is usually determined by how well they understand and know the game absolutely and that's what we try to look for you know i think we've made our name i think we've won a lot of second games in the tournament you know our record is like 18 and 2 in second games and So I guess I thrive on uh, that quick turnaround. We've got a system we use on how we do it. But uh, anytime you you have a lot of preparation, you also should pride yourself that your team better get beat. Like I felt that our practices were great. I think our team got beat by a team who shot better than us and played better than us. Everybody said, well, did you look past them? Uh, You know, were you this? The answers were no. Prepared well. Everything went well. Sometimes in basketball, unlike football, you know, with the three-point shot and foul trouble means you can eliminate your best player. Yeah. There's more upsets in basketball than any sport. And uh, give them credit, they they made a lot of threes, and, and that was the difference in the game. You know, that's the I, I think if there's a negative that I've seen in college basketball, and it's mostly because the recruiting is so competitive, yeah. that we don't do that enough. Football guys did it all the time. I yeah. grew up, my best friend was a guy named Steve Mariucci who coached the 49ers, and yeah. and, and him and I would talk all the time, and, and football guys did a better job. Flip Saunders was a very good friend of mine. He was a basketball genius, Doc Rivers. you know. Yeah. So I've spent some time with those guys. But in the college ranks, it seems like recruiting kind of takes the front page, and it's a shame because we don't study and steal enough. I mean, let's face it, none of us have our own ideas. Of We're course. all stealing from somebody. I do something each year that I think is pretty beneficial. I have my staff before the season starts pick two teams they want to go watch I send them to two NBA teams oh, each love that. each member of my staff and usually I go out too then we come back we always got a new out- of bounds play a new drill a new baseline out of bounds new sideline some new gimmick um, you know I think I think we spend so much time preparing for our opponents we don't spend enough time preparing for ourselves. Say what? I think we spend so much time preparing for our opponents. We don't spend enough time preparing for ourselves, you know. Yeah. Self scouting, seeing what you could do better job of what can you put in that would work better. Um, and I think you just asked a million dollar question that I gave you a twenty cent answer because I don't think we do a good enough job. Now I have some friends in the profession I talk to, but I just don't think we do a good enough job uh, sharing things. Uh, you know, in football, uh, when my buddy was with the 49ers, he'd send his defensive staff to the Bears because they were the best defensive team and, and and get some ideas and people did that all the time. And we don't do enough of that in basketball. I think you got to be yourself. You know, there's so many different kind of coaches, you know, I mean, I, I, I look at, at Mike, I look at Coach K, you know, and his demeanor on the court is pretty businesslike. You ever been at a practice or yeah. you ever been in a huddle with them? It's a little different, you know. I, I always wear my emotions on my sleeve. That's the way I coach. A Jim Beheim might do it a little different the other way, you know. I think being yourself is is probably a big thing. And, and the other one is understanding that your players need to trust you. And players don't trust, especially males. You know, the, a lot of players are fatherless or yeah. you know things so they haven't had a male figure in their life and all of a sudden here comes this coach after 18 years and is going to tell him what to do and so understand you got to spend time with kids to get them to trust you and and time is something none of us have and if if you ask me what i thought my strongest suit was i do spend time yeah i guess i'm old school enough i do i believe in it i bring the draymonts back and the valentines and the harrises and magics and those guys come back and we kind of Team, team, coach—the culture of our team.
0: Now let's unpack two of Coach Izzo's most powerful sound bites.
1: They're good enough to share with their wisdom of what it's like in the NBA, what it's like when I didn't make it to the NBA because of this reason, this reason, and this reason. So uh, the culture is developed by the coach, but it's really developed by the players who played the game. And when those players buy in and feel that it's their program instead of my program. I got a saying in my locker room that a player-coach team is much better than a coach-coach team. And if it's a player-coach team, that means that they've taken ownership. And if they take ownership in themselves and in their team, your chances for success triple.
0: This concept, that a player-led team will always outperform a coach-led team, is one of the most powerful I've ever heard. And I love the fact that it comes from Coach Izzo, one of the best to ever do it. In essence, he's saying that his job is to create and empower players that can coach themselves this takes tremendous confidence as a leader
1: i think we spend so much time preparing for our opponents we don't spend enough time preparing for ourselves
0: Coach Izzo's right on the money he's basically saying that in order to pour into others you must pour into yourself first which is another way of saying the old maxim you can't pour anything out of an empty cup if you want to lead most effectively you owe it to the people you serve to fill your bucket first and become the best version of yourself so that you can do that to the best of your ability. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. But don't leave just yet. Please enjoy this story from the Raise Your Game audiobook. You can download yours today at audible.com, in iTunes, or anywhere audiobooks are sold. Belief is the way we turn our goals, even our dreams, into something attainable. It all first happens in our minds. At the beginning of the 1999-2000 college basketball season, at the start of the very first day of practice, head coach Tom Izzo did something bold. He had a ladder brought out to be put under the hoop, handed out a pair of scissors, and asked each player to climb up those steps and cut one snip of the net, a ritual that is completed by the winners of the national championship each year. The last night we played together as a team, he said, we're going to do this again, so I want you to practice it you have to believe we'll be cutting down the nets in March. Some people might flinch at this ritual, thinking it would give Izzo's players a false sense of confidence. Others might say it was wrong for the coach to make a promise he couldn't guarantee. But I disagree. The coach was thinking about something bigger. He was creating a moment of belief. Izzo was interested in getting his young players to actually feel winning that last game. His goal was to create in them a visceral response, what it felt like to climb the ladder, hold the scissors, and cut the net. He wanted them to know in their bones how much he believed in them, and he wanted them to feel that belief in themselves. And at the end of that season, the Michigan State Spartans indeed won a national championship, and those same players got to cut down the nets for real at the RCA Dome in Indianapolis. My goodness, that was brilliant, wasn't it? (laughs) If you'd like info on my event keynotes, interactive workshops, and full-day trainings, the programs I've done for companies like Starbucks, American Express, and Pepsi, please visit allensteinjr.com. I'd be honored to add value at your next conference, retreat, or staff offsite. And make sure you hit me up at allensteinjr on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn to keep this conversation going. All right, that's all I have. I hope this has helped you raise your game.